Hello, my darlings, and welcome to Radio Wasteland, your show about the paranormal, the unexplained, and the nefarious. Your regular host, Chauncey, is off tonight. He was kidnapped by mysterious agents of the Shadow Government and is currently undergoing re-education at one of their many convenient secret outposts. He'll be back next week, although he will not be the same. My name is Sean, but lest you worry that my voice will be monopolizing your eardrums for the coming hour, don't. We're not alone. Author and recurring guest William Pullen from UFO Real was kind enough to come on with us here. He'll be discussing the recent Roswell Festival and other topics related to UFOs. Uh, William, do we have you on here with us? Uh, I am here. And that, Fantastic. Uh, that scenario was just described sounds like something out of a clockwork orange. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, no. you know, it's it's kind of an occupational hazard for us uh, yeah, conspiracy theory radio hosts. You know, you say the wrong thing, and then, you know, someone with a, an earpiece in mere shades is tapping you on the shoulder and ushering you into a van with tinted windows. But, you know, we... Are, nothing we don't expect. You're crazy all that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we all know the risks, to be, to be clear to our... To our, any of our audience who might be convinced by what I just said, that is all a joke. I, I don't know where he is. He's, he told me, <laughs> but it wasn't very interesting, so I, I didn't assimilate that knowledge. He's on the road. I don't know. Well, anyway. We should have him back next week. So. <laughs> yes, we will. Re-educated and, and ready to spout the Illuminati party line. <laughs> <laughs> you might be more right than you think. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. Things, so. <laughs> As I said, I don't actually know where he is, so I might be coincidentally right about all of that. Um, mm, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, I do appreciate you coming on here. Um, you know, it occurs to me we really should have had you on last week because I just found out today, one week ago, was World UFO Day, which I did not know at the time, but it would have been appropriate. Yeah, it's, um, I, I wasn't aware of that date until about five years ago. Really, I've still yet to. I've still yet to. July second, yeah. Yeah, I hear a definitive answer as to. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. I've, I've heard several explanations as to why that date is the World UFO Day, <laughs> and okay. none of none of them sounded really firm. So I just kind of go with it. But uh, I'm with you. I didn't really know about it until recently. So, okay, I just um, have to say I love that because it was just so thoroughly typical that no one knows where this date came from <laughs> and there are varying theories but not none of them are, are all that convincing like no, that's it's, just perfectly apropos no. for a ufo day yeah it's, it sounds like <laughs> individuals trying to trying to explain a certain ufo sighting exactly which will remain unnamed but it's called roswell <laughs> there's also there's a, there's a whole list of explanations but uh, for me personally every day is ufo day well, that that is true. Um, and I, I do, <laughs> I do want to launch into the Roswell stuff um, in the next segment here. But um, since this first segment is usually just warming up the radio and all that, I I just want to ask you before we move on a question that's been on my mind. So I'm a pretty amateur ufologist here, if you can, you know, really even call me that. I've I've only really been following what's going on in UFO land for about a year. So it seems to me, as a layman, that 2018 is, is a pretty unprecedented year in terms of the willingness of mainstream news outlets to report on UFO-related events without, you know, feeling the need to code everything they say in a thick layer of irony or, or ha-ha, this is just a joke style reporting. Um, I'm wondering, uh, are, 
Do you think we're seeing a paradigm shift here in, in the way organizations report on UFO research, or is this just kind of a, a temporary blip? Um, well, you know, I, it's definitely been a problem through history that mm-hmm. the UFO issue has not been treated seriously by, by uh, media outlets, the major media outlets, certainly right. here in the United States. Um, so that's changed as of late. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, about the last calendar year. Uh, I think it'll keep going in that direction. It seems, it seems that the media outlets, the major media outlets have really, mm-hmm. um, made an effort to treat it with more respect. Um, I don't know if that's going to lead to anything else beyond that, but it's definitely a refreshing change from what's been going on for 60 some odd years where reporters report this issue with uh, a tongue in cheek approach. Right. Um, I can only imagine. Know. And you've been following this for for how long? At, at uh, this point? Since the late eighties. Since the late eighties. So yeah, you've yeah, well, you've yeah. had your share of of not being taken seriously. I can only assume. Oh sure, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've been attacked and and uh, ridiculed at times. So I just mm-hmm. blow it off. I mean, it is what it is. It's a situation that really isn't going to change. Um, uh, but having having well, I'll, I'll use this term loosely, journalists cover the UFO issue as seriously as they would any other issue. Uh, that's a refreshing change. Yeah. Uh, whether that leads to anything else, we shall see. But that's, it's, it's, it's nice to see. It's nice to turn on the TV and see a serious UFO-related story as opposed to a story that um, garners laughter in the studio after the story's done. So right. it's, it's a good change, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, w- what do you think has kicked that off? Is it mostly the Washington Post story last year? or You were saying last calendar year, so e- even before that. It sounds like you're saying this has been changing. Um, I, I got a feeling that there were some outlets that were, um, I guess I guess I could put it this way. It's been a gradual shift. Uh, mm-hmm. I recall I saw a story on Fox News four or five years ago uh, where they uh, ran a story on the anniversary of the Pascagoula abduction, which was in, I think, October of 73. They ran a story on the, on the anniversary of that UFO sighting. I'd never seen a UFO story seriously reported on Fox News. Interesting. So that transpired. and But then the uh, all the media coverage around the Pentagon UFO story and all the, all the surrounding issues around that came late last year. And that really, um, that has certainly at least made the issue more approachable in a serious way. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. When- I think that really, you know. When reading about the 2004 sightings, uh, the, you know, the grainy black and white Tic Tac videos, those those three videos, um, I, I'm just continually surprised reading those at, and having the article seemingly be completely serious. Like, it, it's, yeah. for me, who's not been following this, it's extremely surreal to just look at my daily news and find people reporting seriously on UFOs. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a total change of pace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, I I take the UFO issue very seriously myself. Of course, yeah. Uh, so I've, I've never seen, I'm not used to seeing it reported uh, seriously like it has been as of late, and mm-hmm. it, it's a welcome change, regardless of whether the story is comes out to be whatever the explanation is for the story. It's still an unidentified flying object, and it's being reported as seriously as an economic crisis or a terrorist act or what have you, that's right. a refreshing change compared to the last 60 years. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, you mentioned earlier whether or not that leads to anything else. By anything else, do you mean like a broader disclosure by governments or? Yes. You know, yeah. I mean, um, whatever, whatever, whatever develops and transpires after this, uh, I'm a cautious person, so I'll wait and see mm-hmm. what happens. Um, but it's at least the coverage has changed. Uh, whether that is ends up with a kind of a snowball effect and other things transpire beyond that, that'd be great. But, uh, um, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. we're uh, we're coming up on our first break here. Um, when we come back, I want to ask about the Roswell Festival and everything that went on there. You are all are listening to Radio Wasteland. Come on back. Welcome back. You're listening to Radio Wasteland. We're talking with William Pullen about the uh, Roswell Festival and all other things UFO. Yes, that's right. We're covering literally every UFO-related topic in this hour, so stay tuned. Um, William, you were at... (laughs) Yeah, I may have bitten off more than I can chew there, but don't tell anyone (laughs) that. (laughs) I I really don't mind talking about UFOs, so... (laughs) Right. Well, that's that's perfect. So you were at the Roswell Festival uh, this last weekend. Is that right? Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, I'm actually not too familiar with the Roswell Festival. I'm I'm familiar with AlienCon. Is this a, is this a similar sort of setup? Speakers, panels, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it pretty much is. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's the the speakers slash presenters are organized by the UFO Museum there in Roswell. I see. And the remainder of the events are organized by the city. Mm-hmm. So it's like two entities working together loosely hand in hand to produced the festival, but it's kind of the same scenario. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, how was it? I'm jealous. I wish I could have gone. I, it was It was great. It was great. I, I I don't do any of the festivities outside the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I just attend as many uh, presentations as I can and, and talk right. with these authors and researchers, most of which, some of which are really good friends that I see once a year. Yeah. So, um, it, it was. It came out great. It was, a, it was a wonderful, well, the festival was three days. Um. But um, my good friend Don Schmidt arrived basically a week before the festival, so I got to talk to him and spend some time with him before the festival started. Right. Um, yeah, I was actually, there I wanted to days. ask you about his research in, in the next segment coming up here, so okay. hold that thought. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it looks like um, we had a, a pretty impressive list of guest speakers at the conference. You know, you've got Stanton Friedman, who's the original civilian investigator at Roswell, Stephen Bassett, lots of big names. Um are there any highlights from the conference that that really stood out to you while you were there? Um, well, on a personal note, I'd never met in person Stephen Bassett, mm-hmm. and um, I don't, um, I don't, or I, I cordially disagree with his stance on disclosure. I don't feel it's going to happen, and he feels it is. Uh, and we've exchanged emails before, but I met him in person, attended his uh, presentation Sunday morning, and that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the Stanton Friedman. Retirement ceremony, um, which was basically all weekend, uh, was very emotional, um, especially for the end. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a series of uh, great great moments of memories. So it's 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 a wonderful weekend. I'm already I'm already counting the days till next year. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those were just the the two names that kind of popped out at me when I was perusing the guest list. But um, what were some of the the various topics that were being discussed in these presentations? Was it like people presenting uh, their research? Well, Stan was, thing, as he's been uh, speaking about um, 
the the idea of how these extraterrestrials are conquering the vast distances mm-hmm. it takes to get here to Earth. He's taking a um, astronomical approach. Um, Don Schmidt and Tom Carey were covering a lot of the issues surrounding the cover-up of the event. Uh, Frank Himmler, who works, he's a professor of geology at North uh, New Mexico Military Institute up the street for the um, for the museum. He he strictly takes a scientific approach to recovering or attempting to recover physical evidence from the uh, debris field, and his presentations reflect that. So it it runs the whole gamut. But each speaker had a different take on the general um, scenario of Roswell. So right, yeah. Yeah, actually, I've I've always kind of wondered about the first topic you mentioned, the the conquering the vast distances and involved in that sort of thing. Is, is that something that ufologists can reasonably come up with conclusions about? I, I always got the impression that it was something that was just beyond the scope of of what we knew about these sightings at this point that that we couldn't um, even begin to guess. But. Well, I guess since none of us are extraterrestrials, and we don't have any, um, we, we we believe well, none of us are. We'll we'll see what happens to that. But um, <laughs> uh, since we haven't we haven't conquered the stars, we haven't traveled to anywhere other than our own moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have no perspective. We are, we are blissfully unaware of uh, the technology that they have. But Mr. Viedman is a nuclear physicist, so right. he's. As far as his education and his and his background, he's very qualified to, to speak on astronomical issues such as distance, speed, time, those kind of variables. So, um, so he's one of the one of the ufologists in the UFO community is, is very qualified to speak in that direction. Um, and I think that's why he focuses on that a bit because he has a different perspective as opposed to some other uh, researchers that focus on different things. So, Interesting. Well, it makes a good case for it. Yeah, well, what did he have to say about that? Um, did he have any theories uh, he, as to how it's said, possible? He, he basically said a lot of a lot of scientists are they're they're chauvinistic toward the human race. They apply mm-hmm. our standards to the ETs, um, saying, "Well, they can't. How do they get here from there? Um, if you travel closer and closer to the seat of light, your ship gets heavier and heavier, which means it takes infinite energy to drop your ship, which is theoretically an impossible scenario. But you but you can't." throw away the data. The data shows that alien visitation is happening. So right. somehow they're getting here. Um, but a lot of scientists in the main scientific community are blissfully, they're unaware of UFO data. So they're making statements that are, um, for lack of a better term, ignorant. Because when, when you make a statement, when a scientist certainly does, makes a statement about a, uh, um, a scenario where uh, that scientist has not done the background, to become aware of the data surrounding that scenario, their statement is an error or can be an error or certainly ignorant of what's transpiring. So, um, whereas Mr. Friedman is very aware of the vast majority of the data and, mm-hmm. uh, certainly somehow they're getting here and, um, it remains to be seen how, but Friedman has, uh, Stanton has a pretty open mind as to uh, the possibilities. Um, and, and we, and a lot of scientists assume, well, we, you know, we can't get there. How can they do that? They're assuming that their level, that the ET's level of technology is the same as ours, or the age of their civilization is the same as ours. Right. Those are variables we have no idea about. So, um, but clearly they're visiting. Um, so somehow they're getting here, and we don't know how. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really big point. 
good point that you bring up there that um in a way not being familiar with all of this data is is detrimental to to mainstream science as well because if you're someone who's thinking about physical issues like FTL travel and and things related to that then you can't discount hey there's there's good evidence that there are other creatures who have who have mastered these technologies yeah yes yeah yeah um i recall um I recall back in the 70s, Carl Sagan and Jalen Hynek, Dr. Hynek, had a debate, and I can't recall the forum. It was on television, network television. Mm-hmm. And Carl Sagan was attempting to sweep away the data using theories, theories that had no data to back them up. Right. Um, so he was, making, he was making ignorant statements, and Dr. Hynek was simply saying, look, we have quality data, voluminous amounts of data that have to be explained. And the theories Mr. Sagan was putting forth wasn't explaining the data. So he was just throwing out ideas, which which certain scientists in the mainstream do, and a few don't. A few of them actually are aware of the data and don't make, they make more informed statements and more informed speculations as to what might be happening. So, right. Um, yeah, the, the data is definitely more compelling than... You know, if, if you're a typical scientist, probably you think, I don't have to be familiar with this because I already know there's nothing there because none of my colleagues are taking it seriously. And it's just this vicious cycle of people not taking the data seriously because they think they don't have to. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're assuming uh, they're going with the status quo of the rest of the community. Mm-hmm. They're not taking it seriously. So they just brushed away. Yeah. Yeah, and that, yeah. And we talked about in the first segment that changing a little bit in the media. Um, <laughs> now I'm just going off of that. We're getting off topic, but I don't care. Have, have you seen any signs of that changing in the mainstream scientific community? Because it, it seems like that's a pretty hard nut to crack. I, I haven't seen a lot of change uh, well, in there. Uh, physicist, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Michu Kaku. I oh, believe right. That's his name, yeah. I um, love that guy. He's, he makes pretty objective statements about the UFO phenomenon. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he he entertains potentialities. He does not brush away the data. And he, I've heard it make statements basically uh, making the case that uh, we don't know what's out there. Therefore, we can't assume or make any statements of fact concerning what's out there because we don't know. We don't know how advanced they are. We don't know who they are. We don't know how they get there. We can't assume anything because that's an uninformed statement. And that's something some other scientists, and I have their names in my head, <laughs> uh, won't say. They, they brush away the data. They brush right. away. They say, well, where are they all? Where's this, that, and the other? And that's fine. Everyone has their own opinion, but it, it's okay being skeptical. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic myself, but a skeptic as far as when I hear something, I want to see the data. And if the data shows something anomalous happened, I'm there. I'm good. Let's investigate it. Yeah. Um, but some skeptics are hardened and refuse to look at the data at all. And that's not healthy for anybody. So, mm-hmm. um, but if, if the media takes the UFO issue more seriously, then hopefully the scientific community will start to take it more seriously. And that's been a big issue. The UFO community and the whole, the whole UFO issue is not taken seriously, uh, by anybody, including some individuals in the UFO community. It's, it's, it's horrible. And hopefully that'll change. It needs to change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, we're coming up on our next break here. I, I want to ask you in the next segment about uh, Donald Raymond Schmidt, who can be here tonight, but his research sounds really fascinating, and I want to know a little bit about it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, when Don't we come me. back, Donald Raymond Schmidt. Welcome back. You're listening to Radio Wasteland. Um, we're speaking with William Pullen about the Roswell Festival and all things UFO. So, uh, William, um, I mentioned yes, you mentioned earlier Donald Schmidt. I, I always want to say Donald Raymond Schmidt. I don't know why I want to say all three of his names, but it just rolls off the tongue really well. Sounds it, very formal. <laughs> it, exactly, it does. Donald Raymond Schmidt. Yes. Um, so he was a panelist at this uh, this festival, and you mentioned yeah. on Facebook that uh, you were looking for the opportunity to share some thoughts about his research here. I admit I'm not particularly familiar with his work, um, but uh, what is it ex- exactly that he's that he's uh, been doing? Well, well, so Stan Friedman was the original researcher. Mm-hmm. And he broke the story, or, or the story broke as a result of his work. Uh, I believe it was 1978. Um, right. In the late 80s, Don Schmidt was, and he had been working at the Center for UFO Studies uh, for Alan Hynek for over 10 years. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Hynek had passed away by 86, I believe. And um, Schmidt and, um, asked Dr. Kevin Randall to take a look at the Roswell case. And they initially made their first trip to Roswell back in 89. And um, their research progressed from then. Um, they worked together till the mid-90s. And then Schmidt ended up, um, or Donald Raymond Schmidt, I should say, teamed up with uh, Tom Carey, I believe, about uh, like late the late 90s. And it produced uh, three or four, maybe perhaps five books on the Roswell case. Um Pretty grounded researcher. Uh, he's a personal right. friend, but I'm trying not to be biased here. But <laughs> pretty grounded researcher. Unlike a lot of researchers in the UFO community, he has the ability to admit when he's wrong, and he has done that on several occasions, and has uh, debunked some evidence which previously uh, was in favor of the extraterrestrial theory for Roswell. Hmm. Um, he found some witnesses with Randall. I can think of Frank Kaufman offhand, who testified about certain things. And through his own efforts, Schmidt proved that testimony wrong years later. So he's uh, not a biased researcher, so um, and a good friend. So hmm. uh, you mentioned the the extraterrestrial theory for the Roswell event. Um, I, I had <laughs> here's how much I know about this. Uh, I'd always assumed that that was kind of the only strain of thought out there about this particular event because it was just so bizarre. But it it sounds like, is it actually the main thought about Roswell in the UFO community that it was extraterrestrial? I'm going to get I'm going to get negative emails from what I'm about to say. Uh, <laughs> well, there, there's a whole list of explanations. Some individuals believe the, the mogul balloon theory, which the Air Force put out. Some individuals sure. believe it yeah. was not technology. Some believe it was a weather weather a regular weather balloon. Some believe nothing uh, out of the ordinary happened at Roswell. Um, there's a couple of members in my group. I remember writing a poll question in my group, You For Real, and uh, that's a cheap plug for my group, but um, a couple of individuals stated in a poll question they believe nothing transpired to Roswell at all oh, in you any know, way, shape, or form. You know, I actually remember that now that, now that yeah, you're saying is, that. Which is interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, what has happened over the years is that 
yes, there's not a physical piece of the craft. So they, so the, the extraterrestrial theory cannot be proven mm-hmm. uh, as such. But the vast majority of the evidence, uh, quality testimony, uh, the reaction of the military, uh, the coverage of the newspapers, um, all the other possibilities to explain Roswell have kind of been debunked. All that's left is extraterrestrial. Um, right. in, in my mind, it's mainly, okay, you've got military testimony, a core of which is held up under intense scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the reaction of the military. Uh, the military reacted like uh, they had never come across this scenario at all. Uh, this was, uh, right, they didn't know before. what they were doing. <laughs> you know. yeah. Right. Um, they, they got there and were like, oh, my God. And, and yeah. then you so, see a coordinated uh, response a few days later. Yeah, so my, my feeling is that, that the evidence, that, that's all that's kind of left on the table, extraterrestrial. But, again, you can't prove it without a piece of crap. That's, exactly. That's what Frank Kimbler is attempting to find, a piece of physical evidence. Um, but it's, 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 it's still an open case. Um, I, right. I think uh, among the researchers, they have varying percentages as far as how much they feel extra- extraterrestrial. And Don Schmidt actually is around middle range there. He's not totally convinced it is. He's not totally. Yeah. That's no, interesting. No. Um, so, but it's, um, mm-hmm. it, I think it's certainly the most common uh, or the most popular theory explaining Roswell. Is right. The theory. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's certainly what's associated with Roswell and the popular sure. consciousness. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Um, Hence the festival. So. <laughs> Hence the festival and the whole Roswell Museum setup. Um, yep. Yeah, you uh, you mentioned that it was an open case a minute ago and that people are still looking for hard evidence. Uh, now, this Roswell crash was was a little while ago. Um, it it seems like every year that passes, the the odds of, of really figuring out what happened there are, are getting slimmer. But it, is that the case or... Or are we finding new stuff all the time about well, this from, case? from a testimony standpoint, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I blind my own standard. I only accept first-hand testimony. I don't accept anything else other than that. Right. And so, first-hand witnesses are pretty much all gone. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you're left with uh, the the uh, acquirement of military documents, which hasn't happened. Although there's a few documents, the infamous MJ-12 documents come to mind, which refer to Roswell or Refer to it in a kind of a roundabout way. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, newspaper coverage. Yeah, the, the military's reaction. I keep going back to that because the military acted like it wasn't an average day event. You wouldn't, you don't close roads off to recover a weather balloon. You don't send the weather balloon to right field to have a reverse engineer. Because mm-hmm. even by the Air Force's own explanation, they feel as they, they're advocating that it's a mobile balloon. Well, no, that was a secret, that was a secret operation. But none of the te- none of the technology was secret. It was over the counter materials. So there's no reason to send that to get reverse engineered. And that makes no sense. Right. Um, what does make sense is if something out of the ordinary crashed, you would send it to Ride Field, and certainly something extraterrestrial qualifies. Uh, but again, you can't prove it. It's it's it's, it's it can be very frustrating. Yeah. But it's it's um, it's now a, a quest to recover physical evidence, and I. Right, I think some could still be out there, um, but it's you're right. It does get harder as time goes on, but right, I, forward. So, in fact, I think you mentioned that the last time we were on here that there were potentially materials from Roswell that were snapped up by the was it the Air Force? You said 
Yeah, well, he would be uh, the Army Air Force of the time, you know, Mm -hmm. when this happened. That are, you know, Um, potentially sitting in a warehouse somewhere or, or... or wherever they end up, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the testimony is that the Army Air Force sent personnel out there to recover uh, the debris that was left, um, and it's the same assumption that's it was sent to Wright Field. Right uh, on the way to Wright Field, it was um, it was a stop off at Carswell Air Force or Carswell Field, I should say, um, but. When a when a craft, even if we, let's eliminate extraterrestrial, let's just talk about an airplane. When an airplane blows up or crashes, mm-hmm. there's innumerable numbers of small pieces of metal that are embedded in the ground. There's no yes. <laughs> way to pick up every single piece of metal. There isn't. Uh, some metal will wash away with storms. Some metals will be covered up by plants and be uh, be deposited in cracks and crevices in the ground. Um, it's kind of you know, you look at the universe, what are the chances that we're the only uh, life in the universe with all the billions of planets? Probably zero. There's, there has to be someone else out there, obviously, because the number is dictated. Well, you look at the Roswell case, there are probably millions of pieces of uh, metal or whatever the, whatever the ship was made out of or whatever craft there was made out of. Did they mm-hmm. pick up every single piece? Probably not. So there might be uh, still some just outstanding out in nature, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably extremely small and and uh, Frank, probably uh, difficult to identify, to say it the least. Yeah, Frank Cooper has, reco- yeah. has recovered uh, eight to twelve small pieces of metallic substance, which are somewhat anomalous in nature. But uh, testing is not cheap. Uh, yeah, and he's found some things that are slightly anomalous as far as the levels of uh, levels of the elements contained within them. So uh, that doesn't prove they're extraterrestrial, but they don't really belong out there. So he's going in that direction. That's a good way to go. So, Right. Uh, yeah, uh, we yeah. had a, a researcher on a, a few weeks ago talking about the, the Bob White artifact, talking about the, the difficulty of, of testing to to see. Yeah, it is. Uh, how. Um, and I, I then, imagine that's only <laughs> a, a much larger concern when you're talking about minute metal shards rather than a, a whole object. Yeah, because, I mean, it's... I guess from a from You've the standpoint so of how large sample. or how small these pieces yeah. are, when you're testing these pieces, you don't have a lot to test. Right, exactly. They're they're smaller than a pinky nail. So, um, <laughs> right. um, but that, that yeah. that's really that because the witnesses are passing away so quickly because mm-hmm. uh, of father time. Um, the only angle to take is an attempt to recover something that was out there, test it, and find out if it's an isotope or something that's not of this earth. That's really the only angle that's left. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, unless, you know, unless documents are released all of a sudden, then the government is not going to do that. So. <laughs> uh, you mentioned <laughs> that they were that the pieces recovered were somewhat anomalous. Uh, what does that mean in in this case? Uh, well, he had them he had them tested to find out the levels of iron, aluminum, titanium, phosphate, the, the different elements that are contained within, and he compared them to normal everyday items that were present in 1947: aluminum mm-hmm. cans military buttons, bullets, things that may have been out in the field in the late 40s because it was near an air base. Well, it was 76 miles from an air base, but um, things that were existent in the late 40s. And the metal does not match up to uh, the bullets at the time. It doesn't match up to aluminum cans at the time. It doesn't – it's just slightly anomalous, but it's not anomalous enough to really jump out and grab you. 
Right, it's not um, a smoking gun. Yeah, so and but, there's but been it continues. More testing Sorry. needs to be done. But uh, Frank Kimmler, uh goes out there on his summertime. He's a uh, he's he's off during the summer, so he goes out there on his own time and on his own dollar to do these things, and he gets a little funding from the museum. Mm-hmm. But uh, these tests are not cheap, and he's he's got a family and a wife to support. So it's uh, exactly. it's a scenario mm-hmm. where he does it when he can, but. Uh, again, that that would be done if, if the scientific community would treat this seriously. We would have access to all these facilities to test these things, but that's not the case. So we have to do that out of our own pocket, and that's not cheap. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so uh, we're right at the next commercial break here. Um, when you come back, we're talking to William Pullen about the UFO. Welcome back. Uh, this is Radio Wasteland. We're speaking with William Pullen about... Roswell, uh, all things Roswell-related, and UFOs. Um, you know, a while back we had another um, ufologist on who we respected quite a bit. I cannot for the life of me remember who it was. I was going back through the archives to try to figure it out. Uh, but Was it um, Dennis Balthazar? I don't think so. Okay, you guys had him on a few weeks back. Um, yeah, no, this was this was last year. This was earlier okay, in our show. But so they mentioned we just happened to bring up Roswell, and they mentioned that they were somewhat dismayed that Roswell had such an important place in the public consciousness because they felt there were other UFO sightings since then that were more convincing or or more significant. Um, but, but what's your feeling on that? Does the Roswell incident sort of deserve the reputation it has as the number one UFO incident people think of in the United States? Um, I think it's an important one, uh, mm-hmm. but the trouble is it's so far in the past. Exactly. Uh, right. It's certainly the elephant in the room. It takes a lot of the air out of the, out of the balloon. Um, but there's a lot of quality cases that are much closer in time that have testimony, that have some physical evidence that are that need to be looked at and have been looked at. Um, but it, it kind of is what it is. I mean, I'm uh, In my own group, um, I, I don't really cover anything Roswell-related until about a month before the festival right. because of that scenario. I try to uh, attack other issues and other cases and it, it not ignore but really kind of push aside Roswell until the festival arrives because it gets enough press as it is. And then, um, so I can see that point. That, that is true. It, it, uh, it does get a lot more coverage or it's known more widely to the public than other cases, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still a quality case, but it's it's just one of several uh, anomalous events that have occurred that don't really have a concrete answer. Right. I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah. it. It seems like one of the things that puts sets the Roswell incident apart is really the fact that there, the government and military officials didn't have as clear of a, a plan for dealing with this kind of situation at the time, and, and now they do. Um, and so Agreed. their reaction is a little bit more telling. Is is that? Do you think that's true? Uh, I see. A, I see that's a fair assessment. Yes, I agree with that. You know, there's uh, the the name of the case is escaping me, but there's a case dated from the early 40s of a crash, mm-hmm. UFO crash, and I don't feel that crash is legitimate because one, there's there's a there's a shortage of witness testimony firsthand and physical evidence. Two, if that crash and uh, um, you know, the name escapes me now. I'll probably remember it tomorrow. But um, if that crash was legitimate, 
I would think the military's reaction to Roswell would be would different, different because right. the crash had already occurred. Interesting. Um, but clearly, the, the military acted like they didn't know they didn't know how to handle this scenario. I think that's one of the stronger. But again, that's that's just that that's that's not evidence per se. That's a feeling. We need evidence. Right. Um, um, but it, I mean, it is what it is. I, I still think it's a strong case. It's not the amount of evidence that the amount of strong evidence for Roswell is not as voluminous as it used to be. Um, in the late eighties, early nineties, there were a ton of witnesses. It was, it, it was a very robust case. Now it's still strong, but it's not as robust. And that's because of quality work from guys like Don Smith and Tom Carey and Stan mm-hmm. Friedman. Um, they were able to weed out some testimony that was not legitimate, but there's still that solid core of evidence that something anomalous happened. So it's, it's still important. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other cases that, you know, what are the Roswells of the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s? You know? um, well, there's the, the Socorro landing of April 64, mm-hmm. which is an ultra-witness case. It did have physical evidence. It involved uh, Lonnie Zamora, who was a police officer. Um, there was, of course, Rendlesham Forest in December of 80, which is, has been written about and is still a lively case. Um, the Phoenix Lights of 1997, yes. Stevenville, Texas. So all these cases are much closer in time. So certainly at least the witnesses, the majority of them are still alive to examine, to to uh, uh, to interview. Um, and there's a lot of other cases that don't get as much press, per se, but that have occurred since then, since Roswell. I mean, we're talking, you know, 50s and 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, um, that deserve a lot of examination. Although I am troubled, though, that as of late, there hasn't been a really a big flap. There hasn't been a really big UFO event as of late. The last one I can no. recall is um, Stephenville in 2008. The last one that was really, really grab you and say, huh, what's going on? There hasn't been one since. And that, that's interesting by itself. So. Mm. Yeah, uh, well, we're coming up on the end of the show here. As we do, I'd like to give you a chance to tell our audience how they can find out a bit more about you and how they can find a bit more about UFOs, if this is something they're interested in but don't really know about. Uh, we can look up uh, my group and page on Facebook. is called You For Real, A Historical Review. Mm-hmm. Uh, the group is where I do my work, uh, do case summaries, book reviews, poll questions, um, basically promoting an exchange of ideas and comments from people, a cordial exchange. Right. Um, that's where they can look me up and find me there. Uh, the page, which has the corresponding same name, is where I advertise for other individuals I know in the UFO community to help promote their efforts and then go from there. So that's where everyone can find me. Okay. Um, before we finish up here, is there anything you would say to anyone who might be listening who is – not very familiar with the evidence for UFOs and, and is maybe pretty skeptical. Is there anything you would say to someone like that to, to maybe sway them? or uh, You know, if, if uh, an individual is skeptical think? about the scenario, I think mm-hmm. um, apply yourself. Go to a library, go to different databases, um, different blog spots that present objective amounts of evidence. Um, Kevin Randall has a great blog spot um, available. Um, you can read the numbers of books that have been put out um, and, and just educate, them, educate themselves as far as what the data shows. And if they, they still don't believe in the reality of the UFO phenomenon, then at least they've made the effort to educate themselves. And that way that that conclusion is is at least an informed one um, and go from there. But I, I think it just it, it, um, it pays dividends to simply know what's going on, know what's been reported, 
and make up your own mind as to what actually may be the cause of it. So I, that's that's a good thing. All right. Yeah. Well, William, as always, it's been a pleasure here. Um, we're going to do a bonus segment after the show that archival listeners can find on our website. Um, you've been listening to William Pullen on Radio Wasteland. All right. Um, welcome back. This is Radio Wasteland. We're speaking with William Pullen about Roswell and all things UFO. So, um, <laughs> uh, I was reading the other day, and this kind of surprised me, because as I mentioned in the first segment, I felt like UFO phenomena are, are getting more attention and respect recently. I was reading that the number of sightings in the U.S. have been dropping recently or in the past few years that there haven't been as many of late and yet for some reason there have been a huge number since 1997 in chile have you heard any of this recently yeah i've heard a scenario like that um south america has a uh, long history of ufo sightings uh, some high quality sightings by military uh, personnel um as far as the number of sightings here in the states, um, I would have to look that number. I'm unaware of any kind of uh, drop in the number of sightings. Um, I don't move on to the good job mm-hmm. tracking those. Um, right. So that what yeah. um, what the article was actually saying, um, it was talking with a statistician from MUFON. They were saying that uh, the sightings had peaked in 2012, which is kind of what you'd expect. What with all the whole. Mayan 2012 end of the world stuff um, and had dropped off a little bit since then, again, as you'd expect following a peak, but that they'd kind of been expecting the sightings to, to creep back up again, and yet the numbers have, have still continued to, to drop, which was the perplexing bit. Um, you mentioned that, earlier... That, that interesting, yeah. yeah, you mentioned earlier that you felt there hadn't really been a, a high-quality sighting in the U.S. since 2008. Is that right? Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, one that really grabs you and say, wow, that's something really strange going on, a real hardcore case that really grabs you. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if one that really has occurred with that kind of uh, feeling. Um, although I, I do believe sometimes the numbers are skewed um, because the vast majority of individuals that have a UFO sighting don't report it. Right. So trying to extrapolate patterns or numbers from the data is difficult because the data is not complete. Um, Mm -hmm. So it may be just that uh, it's not that sightings have, the the number of sightings may not have dropped, but it may be the number of reported sightings that has dropped. Oh, no, that's Uh, that's interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's possible that maybe with social media and and all that kind of thing, people are are worried that if they report things or if they tell anyone about them, that it will be easier for that to have some kind of effect on their reputation. Maybe it's not a UFO sure, yeah, thing. Maybe it's a yeah. societal um, thing. Yeah, it, it can be. Yeah, that's, that's certainly, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's speculation on <laughs> our course. part. Yeah. But it's a possibility. It is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, um, yeah. You mentioned that South America has a long history of, of UFO sightings. This is actually news to me that's that's pretty interesting um are there any in particular that that really stick out in 
Chile and areas um, around there? Well, there was a reported crash in Ubatuba, Brazil, I believe in the 60s. Um, that was investigated by APRO at the time. APRO was the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization. It was a it was an early version of MUFON, basically. It was a civilian organization. They investigated that. Um, that's still entertained as a legitimate crash by some individuals, but in the, as the UFO community goes. Um, but there's um, there was an event, the... Um, I'm drawing a blank again. Um, there was an event held in Washington where military officials testified uh, before retired members of Congress. And yeah. one of the individuals was a Chilean Air Force pilot who had a uh, a very close encounter with an anomalous object over Chilean airspace. Um, so they, here is a quality observer individual. They reported this to his higher-ups, and he faced no reprimand. From his, from his uh, commanders, that it's treated differently there as opposed to the states, which is kind of the scenario everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world, this issue is treated differently than here in the United States, which is unfortunate. Really? So, yeah, so you think there's uh, more of a stigma here in the U.S. towards these issues? I, I've always felt that. I mean, you go to Mexico and you turn on uh, 60 Minutes down there, and you, you see UFO stories. Hmm. So oh, maybe we're minutes. just catching up with the rest of the world recently. In yeah, terms we're of so far behind. And, and Interesting. It, it seems, to me, it's always been like that. Um, Why is that? And, we have such a strong yeah. history of, of UFO sightings in this country. You, you'd think this would be the most credulous place, if anything. That's true. <laughs> That's very <laughs> true. Um, well, it, it, it seems like with the, U, the United States has been the leader in a lot of fields in, mm -hmm. in world history. They have been. Or we have been, um, but I recall researching. I, I spent some time researching the Australian uh, military slash government's attempts to investigate the UFO phenomenon, and there was a case in 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 Australia. I think it was in the early '60s, and some military officials in Australia contacted their counterparts in the United States to find out what their feelings were about this UFO phenomenon, and they were told mm -hmm. by individuals in our military that no, there's nothing to it. It's just misrepresentations of of uh, mundane phenomenon. Don't worry about it. Nothing to do. So the Australians didn't continue their investigation. So they were influenced directly by our response. Interesting. Um, so we've had an influence on how other countries conduct themselves. But that has that has changed in in, in the last few decades. There's been files released, and and civilian and military pilots are treated differently. In fact, military personnel, personnel overall are treated differently when they report these things as opposed to here in the States. And the media is much more uh, thorough and serious when reporting on this as opposed to the media here in the States. Now, whether that's mm -hmm. government influence or it's just uh, the way it's been for all these decades and just going with the status quo, right. I, I won't speculate. But it's yeah, that's what I was going to ask, other than here. Yeah. So, you know, hmm. it's, well, yeah. it's a very interesting it's a thought-provoking idea. I mean, you, you go to Spain or Britain, and UFO reports are reported uh, matter-of-factly. They're not made fun of. Uh, in the States, it's a totally different <laughs> scenario here. <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, which, which leads to the ridicule uh, factor, the fact that individuals don't want to report a sighting because it's treated so differently here. They don't want to be made fun of. They don't want to face 
the music. Uh, they're not taken seriously. And I, I've never experienced anything anomalous. I've never seen a UFO myself. But I would I would think that it's a very intense, thought-provoking experience. Therefore, right. the last thing you want to—that's the last thing you want to uh, experience—is you know telling somebody about it and being made fun of. I yeah. mean, it's it's uh, no, I imagine not. So that's why a lot of people, I think, uh, don't report it. They don't want to deal with that. Yeah, so. I've I've definitely heard stories, usually like second-hand accounts of people who who have relatives who have very vivid UFO encounters that they like never talk about. Like, I think that's a, a story I've heard several times. You know, my parents saw a UFO, but they never talk about it because they're scared. It's like, yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. It's very common. It's very unfortunate, but it is common, you know. Yeah. Um, there's, there's quality sightings that have been reported. And I always assume, I think, okay, well, most sightings are not reported. Therefore, it's logical to assume that among that huge amount of sightings that are not reported, there's bound to be some great quality sightings with good testimony and the possibility of evidence, but we don't know about them because the individuals didn't say anything. Um, yeah. That, that's, 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 that's not good. I mean, <laughs> there might be another right. Roswell somewhere. There might be another uh, Zamora case in, in Socorro. There might be another strong case out there that is unknown because the individuals that were involved in it just didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah, and uh, which is unfortunate. So. This goes back to what you were saying about the need for more serious scientific study because this is entirely a situation that that would not be the case if this were yeah. not considered a, a fringe topic. In yes, yeah, you hit the nail head again. Yeah, it, it, it was not a fringe topic. It was a, if it was taken seriously by the public and the scientific community, then individuals would not have any kind of um, fear of. Uh, reporting this stuff. Uh, so our amounts, the amounts of evidence and sighting data and, and as evidence would be, uh, it would increase exponentially because we're not down to like 10, 20% of sightings reported. We would be up to 89%, 80 or 90% of everything uh, sighted reported. Therefore, we have a lot more, perhaps a better handle of what's going on. Um, it is very difficult to, to investigate a very, um, it's a good term, I guess, a non-reproducible event. You can't predict when the exactly. UFO occurs yeah. or when it's sighted. So it's hard to investigate it when you have such a small percentage of sightings being reported. It's hard to wrap your head around what's really going on. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's a societal thing. It's, it's, it's uh, because that, that really cool factor is, is so uh, prevalent here in the States. It, it's very problematic for, for investigators. And there's, and, and couple that with the uh, with the fact that uh, and MUFON, I have several friends in MUFON. There, there's a there's a shortage of quality investigators. So there's not only a shortage of cases being reported. There's a shortage of investigators to investigate those cases. So it's a very right. difficult situation um, that the UFO community has to deal with, um, trying to find the answers to this enigma. It's it's um, very troubling. So yeah. Well, we've just got a couple minutes left here. I, I wanted to ask um, where the UFO community is sort of going from here, because I've never really thought to keep tabs on, on what the status is of the UFO community. Is it growing? Is it gaining new members? Is it gaining new capabilities? Is it driving towards some 
larger goal? These are these are questions, to be honest, I'd, I'd never really thought about. But if anyone would know where the community is going, it would be you. Um, I, this, is my own, this, is gonna be, this is my personal take. Mm-hmm. It seems like uh, individuals my age or older, and I'm, I'm 50 years old as mm-hmm. this year, um, seem more enamored with a nuts and bolts explanation. That these are physical craft being piloted by occupants. They're flying from somewhere far away. They're right. physically flying a craft like you would a spacecraft. It seems right. like it's more prevalent with individuals my age or older. I'm almost They're tempted to say scientific. as opposed to what? <laughs> like that just as seems... As opposed to <laughs> uh, what's popular now with some of the younger individuals in the community is that the time travel scenario. I see. Uh, inner Earth. They are us from the future. They're from another dimension. They're from another parallel universe. Kind of non-nuts and bolts, more speculative theories. They're difficult, admittedly, to prove. Um, right, th- those seem more popular in today's community, and I and I might be dead wrong, but um, it seems like the majority of individuals that entertain those ideas tend to be the younger um, uh, members of the community. And another mm-hmm. thing that has definitely influenced the community is social media, the internet. Right, um, you can Google anything you want, and when you find the information you want, you're happy. You don't ask the next question. And before the internet, it was difficult to investigate cases. Therefore, you had to really apply yourself and ask every question, like a good lawyer would. Ask the next question, ask the next question, and keep pushing forward. Well, now, gratification is instantaneous. You look it up on Google, and you're done. But you're assuming that information is correct. And you, I'm being sarcastic here. You right. and I both know everything on the internet is true. Oh, yeah, that's that's the case. I've, so, I've it, um I recall on Facebook, I posted on my own personal page. I said, I, 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 do, I conduct 0% of my UFO research on the Internet. That's true. I will not look anything up on Google. I don't use the Internet at all um, because I just don't trust Google, YouTube, any of those scenarios. No, because it's, it's, it's posted by other people that may have an agenda. It may be legitimately posted by somebody who didn't do their homework. Uh, the, the information may be incorrect and is passed on and then assumed to be correct. So it, it's, um, it leaves, it leaves researchers having to vet and background check all the information on the internet, which is more time and money spent, um, trying to figure this whole scenario out. So I, I, mm-hmm. I really stay away from the internet, even though my group is on the internet. Right. Uh, but for but research, my research, no, I, I don't do yeah. any research on the internet. I, I, I occasionally post, videos on youtube from youtube on my group but they're strictly interviews they're strictly presentations i won't post a picture or a video i suppose a video of a ufo because it, it, there's there's no way to really know if that's a legitimate uh anomalous object up there so i, I stay away from that um Interesting. and I guess it makes it very difficult to do that yeah but I, I i you know it's um maybe and it's Probably my age, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm <laughs> right. old-fashioned. Well, thought-provoking stuff. Uh, let's just yeah. hope more nuts and bolts researchers of the next generation here try to get in on it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. we've we've come to the end of the interview here. As always, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Report oh, your you, UFO ben. sightings, people. You've been listening to Radio Wasteland. <laughs>